0: This is a true crime podcast. It contains adult themes and content and may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised.
1: You lost all constitutional rights the moment you walked through that door. When the judge sat down there, I said to 10 years at the Idaho State Penitentiary. You walked through that door, you was a number. And the inmate understood that. If you're out there, the a in here, to lay down
0: the road. Those inmates that were here in the institution during an execution, it had an impression on them that maybe I was still with them and to some extent. Maybe they don't think about it anymore, but it, it had a, an impression on them, I'm sure. They wouldn't let me out until I get back that stuff. <laughs> Seven months later, i get give it back to them. That was one of, the, one of the problems we ran into. You had five or six guys that were sitting in a place smoking a joke and a and drinking
1: coffee, pretty quick they'd hatched a plan to, to get under your skin some way or, or try to figure a way out. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Behind Gray Walls, a podcast about the old Idaho State Penitentiary and the men and women who were incarcerated here. My name's Anthony. I'm talking to Sky down in Texas. How's it going, Sky?
0: Things are going good. The weather is getting hot and I don't like it. How are things going with you? <laughs>
1: You know, it's it's spring. Allergies are are going, but mm-hmm. otherwise, you know, it's school tour season, so you'll probably hear kids, you know, screaming in the background in some of these episodes this season, but it's a, it's a good time of year. I I love spring. Always a so. good
0: time. Spring is lovely. It is. All right. So who who and what are we talking about today?
1: So, we have two subjects today. So, our focus this week is on O'ahu County. And so we will start actually with the first men who came here in 1872, John Thomas and Awe Shock, and end the episode by talking about the general history of mining in Owyhee County. So stay tuned for that. Now, our sources today, we have a different selection. So for John Thomas, I use the Idaho Daily Statesman. Library of Congress Chronicling America, newspapers dot com, an Oregon Encyclopedia.org article on Camp Harney, an article on ghosttowns dot com about Fairview, Idaho, in Owyhee County, an article from Western dot com on the history of Mountain City, and in both I also use Idaho of Yesterday by Thomas Donaldson, who I reference quite often this season because he had such a intimate view of the Idaho territory and wrote several chapters on governors, lawyers, law, and criminals here in Idaho during these this time period.
0: Don't forget that any information about mining history, the list of those sources is found in episode three of the early mining and territorial history episode. So if you're curious about where I found that information, please go back and find those sources. But it was four minutes worth of sources, so we won't repeat them here.
1: Now, a common theme you'll hear this season is that we often don't know really much about the early life of the men we are covering. Today's subjects, John Thomas and Ashock, are no exception.
0: We're going to start with John Thomas. So, on October 30th, 1870, John Thomas and his partner, Charles Kingsley, visited Fairview in Owyhee County. Fairview is now a ghost town located southeast of Silver City and boasted over 100 structures serving the miners working in the mines on War Eagle Mountain. When they visited, the town would have been bustling with activity. Like many mining towns in the West, it wouldn't last for long. In the mid-1870s, a fire ripped through the town and destroyed most of the structures, and the town was abandoned. You can still visit the Fairview Cemetery with four marked graves and nearly 40 unmarked graves.
1: Back to John Thomas and his partner, Charles Kingsley. According to reports, John Thomas was thought to be John Larkins, and it was noted in the newspaper that he had been working for the government at Camp Harney in southeast Oregon. Camp Harney was a military camp strategically placed to protect the passage of miners, goods, and civilians establishing lands in the area from tribal nations, including the northern Paiute, Modoc, nezperce bannock and others in the region
0: charles kingsley was a corn salve salesman this was an ointment used to get rid of corns and bunions which were common in mining camps for anyone who's never had one it's like a callousy patch of hard skin that develops from shoes that are too tight or ill-fitting manual labor like working in a mine for countless hours would cause a lot of uncomfortable corns and bunions Charles apparently was a good salesman. Quote, he danced, sang, and performed sleight of hand tricks for the amusement of the boys on the mountain. End quote. Charles operated on several of the miners' corns and bunions, and after their short visit to Fairview, John and Charles hopped on horses owned by Bob McPhee and William Fraser. The Idaho Statesman account on November 8, 1870, poked fun at the event by saying quote, his last trick was to disappear with Bob McPhee's horse. End quote. They headed south across the Nevada border. On November 24th, the Idaho statesman noted, quote, Kingsley, the rascally corn doctor. Amazing description.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, Kingsley, the rascally corn doctor, operated on the feet of several of the good people of Fairview, and now a number of them are unable to wear their boots and are liable to lose their toes. Moral, put no faith in traveling quacks, end quote. <laughs> that's like, <laughs> that's great... That's one of my favorite quotes of all <laughs> <That's, whole> season. <laughs> that's a... That, the rascally corn doctor and moral Put no faith in traveling (laughs) quacks that is very good (laughs) the duo crossed into the cope mining district in the then bustling mountain city silver mining camp cope was named after a miner named jesse cope who was on his way to silver city idaho in 1869 when he discovered silver on the mountain range and developed the new mine gold and copper were also discovered in the area it produced more than a million dollars in just over 10 years, and it is still a town with a population of less than 100 people.
1: John and Charles made it to the Coat Mining District with Bob McPhee in pursuit, about a half day behind them. <laughs> Sometime in the first week of December 1870, William Fraser filed a complaint in Mountain City. John Thomas and Charles Kingsley were finally arrested near Elko, Nevada, They were not charged in Nevada, but held for grand larceny at Elko County Jail to await a requisition from the Idaho territorial governor. Idaho had 56 days to send papers to have the two sent across the border to stand trial.
0: Charles Kingsley, ever the trickster, managed to befriend the jail's officials. The Owyhee Avalanche noted on January 14, 1871, It is supposed, and we understand that Thomas states, that the Elko jail officials allowed Kingsley to get away. We are informed that while a prisoner, he spent considerable of his time in the office of Sheriff Fitch, singing and otherwise amusing the boys, and that one evening he went out for an armful of wood and forgot to return. Whoever is (laughs) writing these, they're brilliant. (laughs) So good. (laughs) Granting that Fitch or his deputies did not connive at the villain's escape, yet their allowing him so much freedom is highly reprehensible, especially after he made a previous attempt to break jail, end quote. Charles escaped from jail, and and we have yet to find what happened to him. John Thomas had to face the charge alone. In January 1871, the territorial governor wrote to have John transferred back to Silver City and lodged in the jail to await his trial.
1: On May 1st, John was found guilty. He was sentenced to 18 months of hard labor in the Idaho Territorial Prison. The next day, it was noted that, quote, The grand jury in their report states that the crime of embracery is growing frightfully common in Owyhee County. They return only one case, but are morally satisfied of the guilt of many others. The nature of the transaction makes it hard to get at the direct evidence of guilt, end quote. So, embracery is actually the crime of influencing or attempting to influence a jury through bribery, threats, or any means to sway the ruling to one side. And with the amount of men stumbling into wealth within these small towns, it's not hard to imagine that there may have been some forms of bribery and embracery going on. However... Thomas Donaldson, the superintendent of construction of the territorial prison, wrote in Idaho of yesterday, quote, I never placed much faith in the stories of purchased judges in Idaho. Defeated parties, without a shade of truth or reason for their statements, would sometimes denounce the judge or judges who decided against them and intimate or assert purchase by other interested parties, end quote. And he has a whole chapter about courts, judges, and attorneys, and notes that the appointees that represented Idaho were, on the whole, actually really solid and well-liked lawyers and public servants.
0: Judge J.S. Gray, who was the territorial treasurer and ex-officio prison commissioner, arrived in Owyhee County and collected John Thomas and Ashock and after, quote, jugging, unquote, the two, led them to Idaho City for their stay in the prison.
1: And we'll get to Ashock's crime in just a moment. Now, after serving 15 months in the penitentiary, a letter for petition arrived from what the Idaho statesman described as, quote, the best citizens of Owyhee County, end quote, on behalf of John Thomas. Among the nearly 80 signatures included a witness for the prosecution, William H. Fraser, John's attorney, the sheriff, W.S. Stevens, Deputy Sheriff R.J. Miller, and two commissioners among the county's best local citizens. The letter was sent to the Governor's office along with quote a certificate of good character end quote, from prison administrators stating that all the citizens believe that, quote, as we are credibly informed, his conduct has been good, and the ends of justice will not as we believe be subsumed by the further imprisonment of said Thomas, end quote.
0: The pardon paper drafted by Territorial Governor Bennett said, quote, and whereas from reliable sources I've been informed and do believe that the said John Thomas, previous to the conviction aforesaid, bore the reputation of a law-abiding and peaceful citizen, and that since his imprisonment aforesaid he had demeaned and conducted himself as a quiet, obedient, and well-disposed man at all times, faithfully conforming to all the rules and regulations of the prison discipline, and it furthermore appearing to me that the time for which said convict was sentenced has nearly expired, and that under all the circumstances he is a proper subject for executive clemency, end
1: quote. The statesman also noted, quote, There is no charity greater than that extended to the reformed criminal. The man that becomes sensible of his bad conduct and desires to reform should never be pushed back or turned away coldly. Good men can afford to extend a kind hand to those who are anxious to do better, end quote.
0: John Thomas was released on August 1, 1872. William Fraser and B. G. Hooker, who left Silver City to pursue John and Charles on the stolen horses, wanted to be paid back for their efforts. The amount was set at $1,352.50 for quote, services rendered and expenses incurred in the pursuit and arrest of John Thomas. End quote. In 1872, the Idaho Territorial Legislative Assembly wrote up a council bill, which was brought up during several legislative sessions. The bill said that the territory, and not the county, should pay them out for their efforts to bring John Thomas to justice. Finally, in January 1875, the council bill was passed, and both men were paid.
1: $1,300 to track him down. I was just like, what? That's so much money. And after like five years, and all the time and effort to
0: decide
1: to pay them. I
0: I am awaiting twelve hundred dollars from the government for taxes and it's been like two weeks and i'm like (laughs) what the heck is taking so long so for it to take five years i'd be like i just don't know if it's worth it anymore
1: right yeah i i was like trying to track this down like other than maybe some horses and food and shelter like how did they rack up such a bill Mm -hmm. anyway interesting (laughs) now We're going to move over to Ah, Aweshock, and my sources, again, were similar. Uh, Idaho Statesman, Library of Congress, Chronicling America, Newspapers.com, and Idaho State Historical Society reference series on Snake River ferries in reference to the Monaghan Ferry.
0: Like John Thomas, little is known about Ah, Aweshock's background. We know little about his crime, though Thomas Donaldson may shed some light on it. Donaldson noted in Idaho of yesterday that there were about 4,000 Chinese men living in the Idaho Territory between 1869 and 1875, with the majority living near Ada County. He noted that Chinese worked as miners, laundrymen, cooks, house servants, and gardeners, and in our research we've heard great descriptions of Chinese gardens. In the time capsule placed in the cornerstone of the territorial prison, administrators included a letter written in Chinese from a cook in a Boise restaurant named Luau Lian from Shu. Unfortunately, the rest of the letter is written in an ancient script, but we're fortunate to have the name of the man who wrote it. Donaldson wrote that he highly respected the Chinese people in the Idaho Territory and described them as intelligent and educated. Quote, I have yet to see one who is unable to read and write. End quote.
1: During the first week of January eighteen seventy-one, Ashok was in Owyhee County near the Snake River. By the few available reports, he got into an argument with another unnamed Chinese man over a debt a few miles from Monaghan's Ferry off the Snake River. Monaghan's Ferry is named after Martin Monaghan, who established a ferry to cross the Snake River in 1866 after being granted by the Idaho Territorial Legislature to operate the franchise. In 1870, the ferry was near the mouth of Rabbit Creek, which is in Guffrey, Idaho, south of Melba and Warrens. The ferry was set up to allow transport across the Snake River for travelers between Boise and Silver City.
0: During the argument over the debt of somewhere between $12 and $15, according to the Owyhee Avalanche, a quarrel arose about the matter when the latter seized a hatchet and, by a well-directed blow, put an end to the quarrel as well as to the life of his fellow countrymen. Ah, Ashok and the witnesses were both arrested and held for an inquest. They remained in the Owyhee County Jail to await trial in the spring, along with John Thomas.
1: Thomas Donaldson wrote about the trial in Idaho of yesterday. Quote, In important law cases, it frequently happened that Chinamen would insist that Chinese witnesses be sworn in by the Native method. Judge Lewis granted this concession one day in 1871 when sitting at Silver City. The case was that of murder, charged against a Chinaman. The interpreter, Beginning his preparations to administer oath, explained that a Chinaman devoutly believed that if he violated the truth under oath, he would meet with dire punishment, continual decapitation in the other world. Rube Spring, sheriff of Oahu County, brought into court a live chicken and a tin platter. The Chinese witness cut off the chicken's head and the blood was let drop on the platter. The witness then took several squares of red paper and, with a Chinese brush, dipped in ink, wrote on the papers his oath to tell the truth. The bits of paper were then rolled into pellets, soaked in the chicken's blood, sprinkled with incense, and burned with a taper. The smoke, slowly curling upward, was silently watched by the celestials present. Judge Lewis, much interested, leaned across the bench and asked the interpreter, "'What does that all mean?' said Hop Wo in reply, Well, Chinaman, he write out that he won't lie. The blood means danger if he do. When he burns papers, they go to heaven and take oath along. When Chinamen die, if he lie, he find oath showing he lie in heaven. Then he have much trouble. They chop, chop, chop his head off all the time. Well, smiled Judge Lewis, does that make all Chinamen tell the truth? That way of placing them on oath? Can't say, Mr. Lewis, said Hopwo gloomily. Chinaman, he's always same as American man. Sometimes he lied like hell. On this occasion, the Chinamen were much annoyed because they learned that Sheriff Springer had taken the dead chicken home and eaten it for dinner. End quote. This is all Thomas Donaldson's writing and the depiction of what he experienced in this courthouse in Silver City. Uh, so not, not our language.
0: Yeah, it's... It's rough. Ashock was convicted of manslaughter and sentenced to six years in the Idaho Territorial Prison. Unlike John Thomas, who received petitions for his release, Ashock served his entire term and was released on June 27, 1876.
1: Now we're going to turn to mining history of Owyhee County in Silver City. On May 7, 1863, prospectors discovered quartz deposits near Rocky Bar, about 50 miles directly east of Boise. Only 11 days later, another party led by Michael Jordan...
0: Obviously not that Michael Jordan.
1: (laughs) ...from Placerville found gold on Jordan Creek in the Owyhee Mountains. After working the stream for a few days, the prospectors returned to the Boise Basin with news that set off the Owyhee Gold Rush. 1,500 miners rushed to the area, and quartz discoveries in the area followed in July and August. With the discovery of silver loads in several areas during the second half of 1863, including Rocky Bar and Owyhee County, especially near aptly named Silver City, silver became another major industry in the state. The year closed out with the discovery of gold and silver placers in Atlanta and Banner, leading to an Idaho Yuba gold rush.
0: Which is different from the Yuba City gold rush in California, though the Yuba River in central Idaho is named after the Yuba River in northern California. And that was one thing that I always found when I was researching, is I would type in these names to see where they were, and it would always pop up as California. But I, So I think yeah. that's such an interesting connection because this happened really so soon after the 1849 gold rush like i just i think those connections are so fascinating
1: this whole season has just been a fascinating thing to Mm -hmm. research like the language Mm -hmm. the the culture at the time Mm -hmm. and
0: i never thought i would know so much about mining but mining is so interesting
1: it is it's fascinating i'm I'm like interested in going out and just trying some placer mining somewhere (laughs) just to have the experience i have actually
0: done it i did some panning one time with some family members According to the Idaho State Historical Society reference series on silver mining in Idaho, the mines around Silver City produced exceptional quality and quantities of silver. One mine in particular, the Poorman, discovered in 1865, quote, astonished just about everyone who saw it. Samples from the Poorman were displayed in Congress, and a 500-pound ruby silver crystal received a special gold medal when exhibited at the Paris International Exposition early in 1867, end quote.
1: Ruby silver is a dark red silver ore, known scientifically as pyroarcharite.
0: Hoping to capitalize on this gold and silver rush in the Oahuahis, and attempting to save face after the failed attempt to admit Idaho as a state, then-territorial governor Caleb Lyon addressed the residents of Ruby City, the Oahuahe County seat, on November 20, 1865, proclaiming a diamond craze in the Oahuahe Mountains. As miners rushed to the area, they bumped up against one problem. There were no diamonds to be found at all. Not a single genuine diamond was pulled out of those mines after hundreds of men staked claims there. This did not help Lyon's popularity in the territory. Amazing. It's like one of my favorite stories. (laughs) He just was like, I bet if we say that there are diamonds there, I'll be good. And then just like didn't anticipate that like probably wouldn't find diamonds. I don't know.
1: Oh, Oh, how many fortunes were lost as people? Oh, gosh. Waste of time. Wow. In 1867, a major load was found on War Eagle Mountain in the Owyhees. The Idaho Daily Statesman reported on May 25, 1867, Rumor came over by the stage last Thursday that another astonishingly rich ledge had been struck on War Eagle Mountain, thought to be equal to the poor man. It is said to be a gold-bearing ledge, in character like the Orofino situated about three miles from Silver City. The lucky finders have been offered $20,000 for their chance." One of the investors in the new Ida Elmore property on the mountain was J. Marion Moore, the Washington Territory mining pioneer behind the original push to create the Idaho Territory.
0: On April 1st, 1868, Moore was out drinking with other Ida Elmore friends when he came face to face with Sam Lockhart, a rival miner whose company, Gold Chariot, was battling Moore and his companions over ownership of War Eagle Mountain. Words were exchanged, and the moment escalated when Moore raised his hand to strike Lockhart with a stick. Supposedly defending his honor, Lockhart pulled out his pistol and shot Moore in the chest. Moore died three hours later. His funeral, held a few days later, was attended by thousands of friends and acquaintances. Such violence was common in the early mining days of the territory.
1: Compared to the 1860s, the decade of the 1870s likely seemed like a dud, even with far fewer discoveries in the 1870s, however, miners at Silver City were not deterred. The Morning Oregonian published a letter from the Owyhee Avalanche of Silver City, Idaho, on April 29, 1872. Quote, Our morning situation is very flattering since last week's report there has been no deterioration But, on the contrary, there is daily discovered more first-class minerals since the palmy days of 1863, when the Golden Chariot produced so much bullion and paid so many regular dividends. And we are of the opinion that the bullion yield of War Eagle Mountain for 1872 will far exceed that of any previous year in the history of our camp. We deem it safe to say that this summer will be the most prosperous that Owyhee County has ever known in our minds, Rich ore in seemingly exhaustless quantities has been discovered, there being in sight to keep most of our mills running to their utmost capacity.
0: A major investor in Owyhee County Mines, the Bank of California, failed in August 1875, and mining began flagging in Silver City and the Owyhees. Revival was helped by the completion of the Oregon Shortline Railroad in the early 1880s. Major production continued through the 1890s and early 1900s, but the major yield had been worked out of the Owyhee County Mines by 1912. According to the Idaho State Historical Society Reference Series, quote, over 1 million ounces of gold and 20 million ounces of silver are credited to early Silver City and Del Mar, end quote. Wow,
1: that is quite the prosperous town.
0: Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's one of my favorite, like, I don't want to say vacation spots, but it's like one of my favorite day trip spots silver city is because you can go see a lot of the old structures and it's just it's just a fun little place to imagine this like once incredibly booming town um so if you are in the area i highly recommend visiting
1: yeah absolutely i was actually like really fortunate i got to to a cemetery repair workshop there a a few years ago and i got to stay in that silver city hotel
0: oh is it cool
1: it was so cool and uh, a little bit spooky Mm -hmm. and being in this old rickety house and just hearing things all night long just sounded like people walking around and i was like it was so much fun and the cemeteries there Mm -hmm. are just fascinating little sections of idaho history Yeah. yeah definitely encourage everybody to go there and and spend a little bit of time and you know we have some some new Idahoans on our staff who have never been and you know we we're like okay get a truck get us to Brew or something it's not the the most giving road mm-hmm. and wait till summer before you try to get, make your way out there but definitely encourage everybody to check it out it's it's not far from Boise mm-hmm. if you're in this area it's two hours south I'd say with the with the road Mm -hmm. conditions. Mm -hmm.
0: Also be careful if you go in summer because my family and I went a couple summers ago and the road was filled. And when I say filled, I mean like edge to edge filled with Mormon crickets. And it was, we were in our car and my mom and I were genuinely like, (laughs) "Ah! "What?" I hate it <laughs> so i don't know if it was like that last year we, we went so up to good. wallace last year but just so you know they you may see some mormon crickets on your way into silver city
1: so cool <laughs> love that place well that is our owyhee county episode uh john thomas and a shock and we have nine more men to cover throughout the season so stay tuned everybody do your own time. Do your own number. We'll talk to you next week.
0: Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed Pine Gray Walls, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Not only do we get to hear your feedback about the show, but it helps others find us as well. If you're interested in finding out more about the podcast and to see mugshots of the inmates featured in today's episode, follow our Facebook group at Behind Gray Walls Podcast. We have a podcast Instagram as well. You can find us on Instagram at Behind Gray Walls Pod.